0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, October 18th, 2020, we continue our series titled, The Ideal, A Study in Colossians. Today's sermon, The Ideal Security, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Enjoy. The passage we're looking at today is all about security. That's a big word. Paul's going to answer three questions here that should give us a sense of security. He's going to talk about what God has done for us in the past, how he's intervened, what he's done. He's going to talk about what God is doing right now in our lives, in the present. And then ultimately he'll talk about what God will do with me in the future. Past, present, future. It's not going to get any more thorough than that. It's all about the idea of helping us feel secure. You see, the first two chapters in the book of Colossians really dealt a lot with doctrine and it it, it dealt with sort of the, the Gnostic philosophies that were sort of out there attacking the church. Philosophies that were built on reasonableness, but not based upon anything that had any merit to it. So they weren't based upon the Old Testament, they weren't based on the teaching of the apostles or anything like that. They would just say, surely this is just a reasonable sort of thought, but it left people insecure. Now you get to chapter three, Paul's gonna begin to mix truth with practical challenge and it should produce a sense of encouragement, a sense of of security, and to be honest, that's probably something that we really need right now, today. Brendan mentioned that in our prayers, that it just seems to be that our nation seems to be divided, chaos, angry, Violent, on the verge of some sense of anarchy out there. and It just seems like we need a little security. And, and the truth is, as long as we just begin to focus in on the things of the world and listening to what the news has to say, you're gonna stay in that sort of up and down mode of being insecure. But if I can catch what God has to say to the scriptures to us about security, I'm gonna be okay. That's the beauty of the first four verses here in Colossians chapter three. We get to see what God has done for us. And so follow along with me as we read the passage and then we'll pray and then we'll jump right into this. Colossians three verse one says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now pray with me, would you? Father, we pray this morning that uh, you would allow us to see what you've done for us in the past, what you're doing in our lives right now, and what you will do with us in the future, that we might be safe and secure in you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, first thing we're gonna look at here in verse one is we're gonna look at how Jesus has changed our past. Back in verse one, in fact, look at just the very first part of 1A here. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, that little term there, if then, could better be translated as since since you have been raised with Christ or maybe as a result of you've been raised with Christ is if then you have been raised with Christ and what Paul's talking about here in verse one is it's something that's already taken place. You have been raised with Christ. Now this isn't the first time that he's brought this up in the book of Colossians. In fact, keep your, or look over into chapter two and look at verses 12 and 13. Verse 12, Paul writes and he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So in other words there he tells us not only were you buried with him, so you died with him, but you were raised with him and then in verse 13 he says, he's made us alive together with him. What Paul is saying here is if you've trusted in Jesus, if you've had that moment in your life, for me, I was 14 years old where I confessed Christ, where I stopped and I realized I believe, I trust in you. Something amazing happened that you didn't do any part of, and that is that God put you in him, in his death and in his, in his burial, his resurrection. Now, How? I mean, how could you possibly have died with Christ? How could you possibly have been raised with Christ? I mean, Jesus was crucified over 2,000 years ago. Well, there's a term that on occasion you'll hear a pastor say, or maybe a, you know, a theologian will use the term positional. Positional basically means somehow God has the ability to place us in, or to position us in, Christ. Don't ask me to explain it all, I can't. That's a work of God. If you are a believer, positionally, you are in Christ. Now, how did that happen? Because this happened a long, long time ago. In fact, you want to know how long ago? Keep your finger here and turn over to Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians, over to the left, Ephesians chapter one. Look at verses three and four. Again, Paul writes and he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In other words, you didn't have anything to do with it. God did it. You go to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 it says we were crucified with Christ. Well how? How was I crucified a couple of thousand years ago? I mean I didn't, again, I didn't have any part to do with that. It happened by faith. By faith we trust in him. By faith positionally now we are in Christ. I mean think about that. When you became a Christian you became a part of a family that you didn't have anything to do with. Now you're You have a father, now you're his child. Now we enjoy all the privileges of being able to go to our father and talk to him anytime we want to. I mean, it's not like you have to go and and earn the right to speak to him or, or go through somebody else, we go directly to him. We possess his gifts, gifts that you and I would not have on a normal basis. We're guaranteed the future that he's planned. That's why the day that you trusted in Jesus is so amazing because it singles the the greatest, most amazing change that you will ever experience. By faith, when Jesus went to the cross and died for us, we died with him. By faith, when he rose from the grave, we rose with him. That's why what God has done for us in the past is so important. Now, you get to ver- the second part of verse 1 through verse 3, and you're getting to the second thing here that has to do with our security, and that is Jesus' plan for our present. Now, let me read again, verse 1 through 3 here. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now notice here that Paul's gonna give us two commands that sort of sound a little bit redundant. Seek the things that are above and set your mind on the things that are above. Now they're not the same thing. Seek is the idea that you would look for or you would search for something, but this is something that has worth, it's above. Set is different. Setting your mind on something is completely different. To seek here is to focus your efforts to sort of learn to, 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 you know, to seek out and find what we deem as really worthy or, or valuable. Because whatever it is that, that really matters to us, we don't stop seeking. For example, you ever misplaced your car keys? I mean, you know, I mean, if, you, if you've ever done that before, I mean, it's not like you walk out and go, anybody seen my car keys? No? All right, well, I guess, you know, I'm walking. Only 58 more pavements, you know, and I can buy a new one that'll have keys. You know, we don't do that right? I mean, we believe, like, look, I put a lot of money out here, this matters, and so, you know, we start, you know, like, retracing our steps, and, you know, we go, and we lift pillows up, and we're looking, you know, and see if anything falls down in the cracks, and, you know, we're looking under stuff. I mean, it's the same thing if, you know, if you're a student, and you have a backpack, and everything's in the backpack, I mean, and we misplace it, we start calling our friends and asking, hey, have you seen my backpack? And, you know, I mean, you know, we're looking around everywhere, because it seems like everything that we value tends to be, like, in a purse or a or a backpack or something like that. We seek what has value, what has worth. Now, the second term here, set, goes perfectly with seeking. To set your mind on something is different. This has to do with a heart's desire. That word mind is the idea of affections. So what Paul is saying here is set your affections on the things of God. Now, I think the order here really matters. I don't think God made a mistake here. I don't think Paul made a mistake when he put this down. Paul starts with seek before you get to set. I think the reason why that matters is because whatever we seek or we deem to be worthy or valuable, ultimately we will set our affections on too. Seek leads to set. Seek leads to set. Let me show you, give me an example here. Keep your fingers here and go over to Matthew chapter six, to the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter six. Now in the middle here of this Sermon on the Mount, in, verses, in chapter six, verses 25 through 34 here, Jesus begins to deal with a group of people that are seeking, but they're seeking the wrong things. And that seeking of the wrong things is sort of creating an anxiety inside of them, a worry, like it does with us. When we get our priorities wrong and we seek after the things that are the wrong things, it creates priority issues in our lives. These people were beginning to worry about all the daily necessities of their lives. Look what he says here, starting with verse 31. I think verse 33 will be on the screen, but let me just read through 31. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. By the way, the word anxious here in this still short passage there in those nine verses is mentioned six times. This is the issue. Verse 31 says, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you. The point that he's trying to make is, look, as long as you pursue, you put worth on and you begin to seek after things that will not fulfill you, you're gonna have anxiety. but if you'll seek me, I'll take care of all the rest. You see, Jesus knows that what we seek, we will ultimately pursue and ultimately that will become valuable to us. That's why Paul's order here in verses one and two is totally logical. Now verse two, he's gonna add to that, he's gonna say don't set your affections on the things of the world. Ultimately, they will not fulfill us. They will not satisfy us. Now, the problem with that though is, is this is where the battle lies for every single one of us. We live in the world. And not everything in the world is bad. For example, let's say you're a student and, and you, know, you, know, you really wanna to go to the right school and you wanna get into the right major and so you gotta get into the right school there, you know the school inside the school, and, and so academics has become this really big thing for you and you're really working hard at it because you, know, you wanna succeed and you wanna you know, get the right internship someday and you're hoping for a scholarship and so you put a lot into it and you begin to seek that above all things. Or you're a businessman or businesswoman and you know, you've got to take care of the family. I mean, you've you got bills to pay, and, and, and we're working hard at it, and so you're really working on the deal and cultivating these relationships and, and making sure that you know, you, everything is done and that you're, you're going that extra mile because this deal will really be a big deal and it will set your family up and, again, pay your bills and allow you to do some really good things in the kingdom of God, and, and it's just really an exciting time. Or maybe it's golf. Maybe, you know, maybe you just, you love golf. Maybe you just want to stay active. Say, look, I can't play this sport anymore, but I can still do this, and, and I want to stay active, and, you know, I like it. It's a relaxing thing. Now, personally, I mean, I like golf, but the idea of paying money for something that frustrates me is a little weird for me at times. Um, you know, I would be great if the ball was intended always to be hit this way and goes that way if the hole was actually over. I'd be great. Maybe it's video games. I mean, I, you know, my little grandson I mean, he plays Fortnite because it's the way he connects with his friends. I mean, during the whole COVID thing, you know, they, they couldn't ever get together. They didn't have play days any longer. And so they would, they would get online and they would play this game and, and, and they would just be able to talk and laugh with each other and keep a sense of normality, you know, uh, about their lives. And plus he learned a lot of weird dances and stuff. But, you know, I mean, it, it was just a way to, to hang out with their friends. I mean, none of those things are bad. They're neutral. The problem is if I seek them first. Because seek leads to set. It leads to me fixing my affections on them. And now a good thing, like working hard on your grades, can become a bad thing because I made it the thing. It was never intended to be the thing. Jesus knew that if it becomes the thing, that's where anxiety and worry begin to come in. I ought to seek Him because then I will set my affections upon Him. Jesus told us not, in verse 2, not to set our affections on the things of the world. Paul is is really clear here. We are to seek and set our affections on the things that are above. Twice he mentions that. I believe that he's talking about truths about who God is and truths about who we are. Truths that should bring us closer to Christ. Truths that should build us up and encourage us and give us that ability to go on regardless of what the news says. In fact, let me give you two examples. And let me be really clear. These have absolutely nothing to do with the passage today. Just two examples that I pulled out this week and put in. Galatians chapter one, verse four. Listen to what this talks about. Again, talking about truths above. Galatians chapter one, verse four says, and he, talking about Jesus here, gave himself for our sins and delivered us from this present evil age. And so here's what I learned about God. God's sacrificial love made it possible in an effective way to me to be delivered from this lost world. That's a good Thing. that builds me up or another one, one first john chapter five verses four and five says everyone who has been born of god overcomes the world do you realize what a good thing that is what good news that is the world is not going to beat me down i've overcome through christ Truths like that are things that are to, we are to set our affections on, truths that build me up. Verse three, go back to that again. Colossians chapter three, verse three, says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So Paul reminds us that Christ's death was our death too. You have died. Aponesco means, it's, again, it's a positional thing and our lives are hidden with Christ in God. We are safe, we're protected, we're secure. And I gotta tell you something, that may not sound like a big deal to you, but it's a huge deal. So many people, so many Christians today feel, don't feel safe They don't feel secure. Somehow they imagine that that, that they can somehow lose their salvation or their relationship with Christ and they sort of live this fearful existence spiritually. Listen, the truth is if your security was based, if your eternal security was based on you and your faithfulness, your track record, yeah, you would have room to be concerned. But it's not. The scriptures tell us that salvation is a work of God. It's about his faithfulness. We are secure because of his faithfulness. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter two, verses five through nine says this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Did you catch those, the, 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 just the large amount of truth, there. We were dead. It wasn't like you were good. Oh, God says, you know what, you're pretty good. I think I'll save you, you're good. No, you were dead spiritually. We were all dead. Remember, God chose us before the foundation of the world. We were dead and he made us alive. And it says, by grace you have been saved. In other words, you didn't deserve it. And he raised us up with him and, and seated us with him in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And verse eight, he said, again, by grace you have been saved through faith, and even that faith is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. We're saved because of Jesus. We are saved because of Jesus. We're saved because of Jesus. You are not safe because you live behind a gated community. You're not safe because you have a permit to carry a gun. You are not safe because you're the best person that you know. You are safe because of Jesus. The second truth here that he wants to get that's so important is we're safe right now and we're kept safe. Our lives are hidden with Christ. But he is calling us, folks. This is the call on our lives. He's calling us to seek him and to set our affections on him. That's how he wants to grow us. Now, the third thing here that should give us security is our future in Christ, verse four. Look what he says, verse four. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, this is sort of a glimpse into the future. And whenever you talk about the future, it makes people uh, nervous, you know, I mean, they get a little bit weary because so much of the future seems to be unknown. And so when you talk about, you know, death and all of that, people get very nervous about that and, It's important that you understand that the promises of the scripture are you're okay in death. If you've trusted in Christ, you're okay. I mean, Romans chapter eight tells us that death cannot separate us from the love of God. Isaiah 43 tells us that that even when we walk through that difficult moments of life, he walks with us. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, it tells us that that very moment that you die, you will go right into his presence. There's no way station, there's no limbo. You don't float around for a little while and have people pray you in. You go right into his presence. In fact, when you go into his presence, Revelation chapter 21, verse four tells us that Jesus is the one that's there to wipe away every single tear. You're okay, you're safe in Jesus. There's nothing to be afraid of. Some people are just afraid of that thing, but others people just think when we die it, that the whole idea of death sort of leaves me with this purposefulness. I mean, at least right now I feel like I have a purpose. You know, I take care of my family, and I go to work, and I do all these things, but you know, when I go to heaven, what am I gonna you know, to get a robe and a harp and a rocking chair and sit on a cloud someplace? I mean, that totally lacks purpose in life. And yet verse four tells us here that when Jesus returns, we as believers are going to return with him and that speaks of a purposeful existence in eternity. Everything, in fact, about our future is purposeful. I mean, I don't want to get too far off on this, but you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter five, it tells us that when you die, you're gonna get a brand new body, one that will not wear out. Do you really need a body in heaven? I mean, think about it for a second. Angels don't have bodies. Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. God the Father doesn't have a body, but apparently we will. God apparently has something for you and I to do in a body. That's kind of exciting. John chapter 14, verses one through three, tells us that we're gonna be with Jesus, living and serving in community. He's already got our place picked out. Philippians chapter one, verse 21 tells us that heaven and eternity is gonna be a time of growth because to die is to gain. See, even where we're gonna be living it's gonna be purposeful. You know, if you go to Revelation chapter 21 and 22 when it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and that new city, that new Jerusalem that comes down, have you ever looked and seen what that city has in it? I mean, it's it's a city full of homes and gates and rivers and streets and lots of people running around honoring God. I mean, heaven is not gonna be this ghost-like experience where spirits are sort of just floating all around. It is a place of purpose, and it will be a life lived on purpose forever. And as a result, when Christ, who is our life, appears, we, along with the Colossians, will appear with him, serving him, with real bodies in a real city, surrounded by real people, all with real assignments. Now, I hope that this makes sense, but I I hope you're understanding how comforting is the things above really are. Twice there in the passage, he says to seek the things that are above and set your minds on the things that are above. The things that are above should make you feel secure. Verse one, our past has been taken care of. Somehow, way beyond our ability and way beyond our comprehension, Jesus, by faith, has positionally put us in Christ. We're in Christ, we're taken care of. We have been raised with Christ. We were spiritually dead, but now you are alive. Verse three, then he says, our present is safe. Our life has been hidden with Christ. Safe, just as safe as he is. Verse four, he says, our future is purposeful. It's planned out. We are going to appear with him. Folks, these are not just encouraging words to get them through the moment. This was a call to trust him. The question is, do we? You know, I'm gonna invite the, the band back up, our worship team to come back and join me. The beauty of this passage is coming off of all of the, the, the empty philosophy, the empty deceit, the different things that the Gnostics were challenging the church, Paul would write to the church to tell them you're okay. I just want you to understand what Jesus has done for you, what he's doing in you right now, and ultimately what he will do with you. You're okay. I don't have to be troubled by the world. I can trust in my Savior, my Lord. The question is, do you trust him? Will you trust him? I want to make sure that I at least give you that moment of opportunity. You don't have to get up and come forward. You don't have to do anything like that. This is about something that happens here inside of you where you decide I trust him. I trust him. I believe. It is a an eternity-changing moment of your life. And it could happen right now. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna pray out loud and I'd encourage you that if that's something that God is moving in your heart, if your heart is beating fast and you, you sense that you do believe, pray after me silently, would you? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that first of all, Lord, that you would forgive me. that you would take me as your own, your child, that you would live inside of me and direct me. I thank you, Father, that by faith you chose me and positionally put me in your son when he died and when he rose again. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. I believe, Lord, that I am hidden right now with you. And I believe that one day you will come and I'll come with you. Father, I trust you. Let me ask you, no one's looking around, but just so that I could pray, if you prayed that prayer right now, would you just slip your hand back up and back down real fast? Thank you. Helps me to know to pray. Father, thank you so much for people who express their trust in you. Lord, we are safe because of you. Thank you so much. Help us now to turn our hearts to you, to seek you so that we might set our affections on you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Believer, we are safe in Jesus because he paid that penalty. He put us positionally in Christ and we rose with him. We are safe because we are hidden right now with Christ in God and we have a future, one to look forward to that we don't have to be afraid of, that we will be with him, serving him for an eternity in a purposeful existence forever Go out this week and set your mind to seek him that you might put your affections on him and let the whole world see it. God bless you. Love you all.